This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. professional wrestling we like professional wrestling too this is shake them ropes chris novembrino along with me i am jeff hawkins chris telling me all about his great love life and yeah <laughs> good friday go get yeah some, go get some jesus chris no uh, <laughs> I, I i i might have found god hawkins <laughs> uh twitter's still alive i'm kind of upset by that i'm hoping it had been bought and killed by now but it's not i know it's it's such a shame uh you know (laughs) this wonderful billionaire had had a great opportunity to do fantastic good in the world today really well actually he couldn't buy it today because the markets were closed monday perhaps he'll buy it i'm hopeful uh yeah i don't know uh (laughs) well that makes one of us uh but you know let, let us all root for our boy elon musk Yes. A great man. Oh. <laughs> uh, leading off the news this week, Shinjiro Otani remains paralyzed after taking a German suplex into the turnbuckle in a match with Takashi Segura on April 10th at Sumo Hall. Otani was diagnosed with a cervical spinal cord injury that, that has left him paralyzed. He was in intensive care, remained conscious throughout the ordeal and can speak, but he underwent spinal cord surgery on the 13th to attempt to prevent further deterioration. Otani has been acting president of Zero One since 2007 over in Japan, but for me and my fandom, he's part of that. When I started getting into international wrestling in in like the early to mid-90s, he's part of that golden age of New Japan junior heavyweight wrestling where you'd have Jushin Liger, Eddie Guerrero as Black Tiger, Wild Pegasus, Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, Finlay, Koji Kanemoto, uh, those types there. Uh, he was also in a lot of the WCW uh, New Japan crossover cards that happened. His probably his most famous match in WCW would be 95 Starcade, where he and Eddie Guerrero had a match. That was really, really good. Um, not sure about your international flavor, Chris, but do you have any uh, Shinji Otani? Yeah, so Otani for me is a guy that I got hipped to by getting a cartridge of Virtual Pro Wrestling 2. Okay. Um, and then I sort of retroactively had to go and learn about him. I mean, that's how I learned about Shinya Hashimoto. Uh, yeah. you know, Virtual Pro Wrestling 2 for me was a big portal into all these guys where I was like, okay, but who is this dude? And then I would go and like look him up on YouTube. Uh, that's how I learned. Shinya Hashimoto, I went down a rabbit hole of him today because because of the whole zero one thing because it was him and Otani, uh, who who uh, broke off of New Japan to form zero one and 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 not not to get off the subject too much but well you want to have some fun go watch some Shinya Hashimoto matches kids um, <laughs> I, big dude who can move I'm into those. Uh, you know, and yeah, for me, it's just a testimony to what a quality wrestling video game can do to inform somebody about the various people inside the industry, especially who are maybe not getting as much television time. Interesting you say that, 
and this is a bit of a non sequitur as well, but over in the PlayStation store, WWE 2K22 already marked down for sale. Not, not hugely, but then you take a look at the uh, downloadable content packet and it's not really wrestlers. I think the only real, I mean, I think, uh, I think Cactus Jack's on there. I think Zia Lee's on there, but it's like, it's like Mr. T, Logan Paul, uh, Machine Gun Kelly. You know, it's all these celebrities that you can play. At, at this point, that's kind of what WWE really needs to make is essentially a WWE version of Celebrity Deathmatch. For those of you who remember that, where you just get various celebrities to agree to get a WWE version of themselves made. And that's what the WWE product is. Well, you, you know what? One of the, the more uh, one of the more uh, popular wrestling franchises that wasn't a wrestling franchise was a uh, Def Jam Vendetta, which started out as a wrestling game. Well, yeah, and that's a wrestling franchise that's built on the THQ. Yeah, yeah, no, it's built on that AKA AKI engine. I, I mean, yeah. it's very much an inheritor to No Mercy and uh, WrestleMania 2000 for those of you who played those games on the N64. Yeah, no, I, I... And, and they're good. Those Death Van Vendetta games are fun. Yeah, they are a lot. And it's like, well, why don't you just remake something like that again and uh, make it fun? But no, we have to have, we have to have like training mode where. <laughs> Well, and I think the worst part, too, is the, the story modes in these uh, Federation modes are not very good now. Uh, no, and that's not. what that's what a lot of people want. People want good storylines. And uh, unfortunately, like WWE would almost need to outsource to a completely different writing team for the video games, because to try to copy the storylines that they're using on TV will always result in a boring video game that has um, attention deficit issues. <laughs> I I really want a really realistic WWE game where the storylines just get dropped. Like you're going for the Intercontinental title one week and you're like three weeks along in the program. And for no reason, now that program's been cut short and you don't really know why. <laughs> no, I mean, even worse, like, like, like you're getting buried because you're only like six, two instead of six, five. One day you log in and your name's been completely changed and you have to meet with the producer. It's like, yeah, you no longer have a first name anymore. You're now just known as Babalu or whatever it is. And you have to deal with that. <laughs> you're about to go out on stage and your time's cut by two minutes. Your character gets repackaged with a random ethnic gimmick. Yes. You appear to be Italian. <laughs> so what I'm thinking here, boss, is that you're going to be a ninja. Yeah, that's, that's what we want. That's what every child wants in a video game is office politics. Uh, hey. Characters with dark enough skin get de-pushed randomly. No. <laughs> Vince has decided you're too ethnic. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we we're already off the rails. We're not even 10 minutes into the show. Uh, anyways, uh, back to it. WWE officially announced its biggest UK event in 30 years, a show as yet unnamed that will be a pay-per-view on September 3rd from Principality Stadium in Cardiff, Wales. Show will take place on a Saturday afternoon U.S. time, hours earlier than a usual pay-per-view. It will be the same weekend as AEW's All Out show, but that show will be the next day. 
There's been talk of the two shows taking place on the same day as WWE had either listed September 3rd or 4th as the date for the UK state show earlier this year. Now, this should be interesting. I'm wondering because there are stadium shows. There are two stadium shows in July alone. There's one for, I believe, I want to say October. Don't quote me on that. And then there's the Saudi Arabia show. I am wondering because WWE famously half-asses it on UK shows. I'm wondering if they're going to do a stadium show announce as a stadium show and actually deliver on a stadium show here, number one. Number two, I'm wondering if they even bother to put any NXT UK talent on this show. My thought was it would be great to do something like Mustache Mountain versus the Usos as an opener and burn down the house on this thing. But I could also see internal thinking being, well, no, they're paying for a WWE show. They want the main roster. They don't want the guys that were trying to grow in the UK on this. Chris, any thoughts? Yeah, I think a lot of what you say is really interesting there. Uh, I just, I had one question. What is NXT UK? <laughs> it's a show that pops up on, on Peacock on Thursdays that we used to watch religiously. And now I watch it for the wild boar, Mike Hitchman, mostly. Uh, as we wait for rampage brown to come back from his injury huh you know the who's uh, let me ask you something do you know who the nxt uk champion is it's still Ilya dragunov but they have have they changed his name to something else no they have not (laughs) russian miss ruski come on no if anything i i would expect them to like move away from that right now we're going to call you Nikita Koloff. I, I know, no, they did move away from Torpedo Moscow. I know That's that much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you know who the NXT uh, Heritage Cup champion is? It is Gnome Dar. That is correct. Nice. Do you, know, do you know who the NXT UK women's champion is? Oh, it's Mako Setamore. That is also correct. She is, yes. She is currently yes! in the midst of, <laughs> of a... 13 month feud with Isla Dawn. And now for all unbelievable the marbles, for the clean sweep, who are the NXT UK tag team champions? This is tough. <laughs> this is tough. Um, Cause it was pretty deadly. Yeah. But who did they drop the belts to? Is it Mustache Mountain? You are correct. Sir. Yes! 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 <laughs> yes! Yes! Who are the NXT UK champions oh! on this given day? Feels good. <laughs> How does it feel to have so much useless knowledge about wrestling? Jeff, I, I got to tell about. you something. When I was growing up as a young boy on the streets of Longmeadow, Massachusetts, I had a couple of dreams. One of them was to get one of those Mr. Conehead Sundays down at Friendly's. I achieved that dream at the ripe young age of six years old. But the other one was to successfully name the roster on a wrestling program I do not watch anymore. The Dirty Daddy, Chris Dickinson, has signed a contract with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Good for him. Are you are you aware of this man's work at all, Chris? I, I am not familiar with the Dirty Daddy. Uh, he is a an he was an Evolve staple for a long, long time. He did a uh, catch 
catch point for a while. The stadium that, or the, uh, the, uh, the, the stable within Evolve that had Riddle and Andrew uh, Gulak, Andrew Gulak, and, and whatnot too. Now he's he, and he was a tag team champion for a while with um, oh, I had his name on the top of my tongue, but I can't remember. I know Fred Yehai was in there, but that's that wasn't him. It was uh, eh, never mind. Can't remember. Gotta move on before I go, draw this out any longer. I'm still flying high on this clean sweep of the NXT <laughs> UK roster. No, I, I I I don't know that I'll ever come down. Pat. Buckridge, a.k.a. Pat Buck, who quit WWE as a producer the day after WrestleMania, stating he wanted to spend more time with his family, which is a true statement, start as a producer at AEW on Wednesday night. Much easier schedule to do, but this is now the second time this has happened where a guy asked for his release as a producer from WWE and walked right into AEW, Sanjay Dutt being the other one. Uh, I mean, you got to imagine, especially on the production and writing and ideas side, there are a lot of people who are frustrated and who are probably quietly banking ideas that WWE is not utilizing. Uh, and one of the things we don't really discuss or hasn't been something to discuss uh, in years past with frustrated backstage talents is so you have these different ideas for storylines and that sort of thing. But like, if you can't do them at WWE, where are you going to do that? Well, now there is another company where you can actually do some of these storylines and ideas. And there are a bunch of guys who are probably banking ideas and have thoughts about what they would like to do if given the opportunity. Yeah, I'm I'm interested because like producers are being uh, are really getting going through the revolving door over at WWE right now, like um, uh, Aria Davari's. Now backstage, he was producing matches uh, this past week. And also uh, Curtis Axel came in as a producer for a week. So it, it, it's interesting what, what's going on right now. It, it's I would think Axel would be trying to find somewhere on the indies to work. But I guess, you know, once you're in a system for a while and you know the system, maybe maybe that groove on that couch is a little too comfortable. Yeah, I mean... There's that. Uh, I doesn't he already have a family and stuff too? So maybe he's just looking for the steady paycheck and not yeah, trying necessarily trying to build out the family name. Yeah. I mean, also maybe he can uh, hit up Cody Rhodes and be like, uh, I I too also have a daddy remembered fondly. <laughs> I believe he was part of that stable too, wasn't he? No, no, the, uh, he was not part of the uh, the that stable. Orton, DiBiase, oh, DiBiase and Rhodes. Okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. I was saying the Fortunate Sons, which was a Florida Championship prior to NXT stable, which had like I think it had two DiBiases in there and it had <laughs> a couple other second generation wrestlers. Oh, and we had, we had uh, uh, Snooka's other kid. I think was that he he was in the stable stable for like a week and got kicked out on uh, on Raw. As part of that, uh, as part of that Orton stable, came back later as a came back later as a cameraman. He was the cameraman who uh, Undertaker crashed into during the uh, Shawn Michaels match or Triple H match. I can't remember which one it was, but he was the guy who had to take the bump for that. But he lasted one week in that Orton stable. I remember that. Anyways, uh, <laughs> and what was the funniest news of the week? Austin Theory is now just Theory. <laughs> dropping the Austin name. Raul Mendoza is now Cruz del Toro. 
They just started calling him that on the show this week with no explanation whatsoever. The story behind this is that Talent got a memo and Vince McMahon decreed he doesn't want anyone using their real names anymore, nor do, should they be using names that they've used before on the indie scene. Now, <laughs> now we all thought as a joke, it might've been just the line at WrestleMania, Austin stuns Austin, and we could keep up with that. So they might have dropped, but no, no, instead, Vince is just having one of his 2010 spells where he breaks up tag teams randomly and now no longer wants you to use his real name, use real names. But a bevy of talent, as you've seen on the TV, have had their names changed. Walter became Gunther. Raquel Gonzalez is now Ra- is now Raquel. Uh, Rodriguez. Rodriguez. My joke was there was, well, Vince preferred Speedy Gonzalez or preferred Slowpoke Rodriguez to Speedy Gonzalez when he was watching cartoons. But that, that's just a weird thing. Uh, Marcel Bartel, of course, is now uh, Ludwig. Uh, what's his last name? Ludwig, Kaiser. Ludwig Kaiser. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anybody currently on the main roster is going to get that big of a change, although you never know. But it does explain now also why Pete Dunn is now Butch, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it's also just because Butch is a dynamite name. Oh, yeah. Really is. World champion Butch. You know what I mean? You can see Roman Reigns and Butch at a main event at WrestleMania, any city in the country. Who's the champion now? Butch? Butch. The Bushwhacker? No, that's Bushwhacker Butch, Jeff. <laughs> We're just talking about Butch. We're, We're just, just talking, talking about, about Butch. Butch. Just talking about Butch. Yes. Um. Yeah, I... You know me, I hate this this move by them always. And personally, I, I'd love it if more wrestlers trademark their name and then try to make a deal to sell the trademark or lend the trademark to WWE and then just leave if they say no. But I know you can't turn down that much money a lot of times, but I, I just... It, it, now they're going to be changing names mid-NXT and doing that. That just seems... Rid- how are you supposed to build a fan base when you don't explain these things on your actual? No, company? it insults your fan base to change these names because these people who are still watching this show with any reliability know who Legato Del Fantasma are, know who the members of Legato Del Fantasma are, and are going to find it weird that Raul Mendoza is now Cruz Del Toro in the same way that even the house audience found it weird that Walter was now Gunter and they eventually just got apathetic and stopped caring. But like, you also see that Gunter's just less hot of an act than Walter was. Yeah. And let me ask you this because it seems, seems logical to me, but remember logic does not dictate success in WWE in any, any way, shape or form. But the whole point of putting NXT on USA television, in addition to trying to go head-to-head with AEW, is so that fans of the WWE can start learning who this next generation of talent is. And then when they get called up to the main roster, they'll have an established fan base of some kind who know whether to cheer or boo know who these people are and can explain them to the seatmates who are probably just there wondering if the Dudleys are going to be there to break tables. Does this seem logical to you at all? 
Yeah, but I I think it just gets back to this core question for NXT, which is like, who and what is NXT for now? It's like a fundamental question you'd ask in marketing. And I feel like it's never posited with regards to NXT. What is this show for? Who is it for? Who is the audience and it, one possible route would be conditioning your diehards to know who these people are for when they get called up to the main roster. But if anything, you are teaching your diehards that there's this place where like people get these random scrub names that will get, eventually get dropped. And so you could just kind of see stuff happen. Okay, but they, they actually do market it like this. If, if I recall correctly, they market NXT 2.0 as go here to see the next generation of WWE superstars. Am I wrong on that? I think so. But I mean, if they don't end up having the names that they're going to have on the next roster, it's like these aren't, is that what that is? I, you know, Braun Breaker, Braun Breaker. We're bringing you up as Scrubzo Magoo. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you just don't see Braun Breaker as a name that's going to hold when he gets called up to the main roster. It seems like eventually they're going to have to, cut the shit and go with the Steiner last name. I think it does stick. I think that's the one that does stick that while everybody like Braun is a strong name and uh breaker, you know, you break things. Well, you know, a good strong name is like strong man. You could shorten it up because the G doesn't, it's a little clunky, like a straw man. Strowman. Chompa. We're going to call you chomper. You're going to bite people. <laughs> Tommy Chompers. Tommy Chompers. <laughs> and do this nah, 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 whenever you're talking. And that'll be yeah. <laughs> he does the Pac-Man hand. That's like <laughs> sort of his gimmick as he comes to the ring. <laughs> oh, we, we kid because we care, kids. But uh, yes, uh, one Tommaso Chomper, or he might just be going by Chompa. I'm not particularly certain. I haven't checked the roster. Tommy Chompers is still Tommy available. Chompers. Uh Thomas Penmanship also still available. His first name, the first name he had when he appeared as uh, Muhammad Hassan's attorney on SmackDown. That's, that's also available. But yes, he made his debut on Raw this past week. Also making their debut this week, Roxy, the former Ring of Honor Women's Champion, now known as Roxanne. She'll be on NXT Level Up tonight. You'll be hearing this afterwards, so you missed it. You go back and watch it. But yes, Roxanne. One word. Chris, Chris, you know what I want her finisher to be, don't you? The red light? The red light. <laughs> no, Rox. <laughs> you don't have to put on. No, it's got to be a, devast- a devastating submission hold that, yes. like, uh, the announced team begs her not to put on people. Roxanne has put on the red light again. Yeah, it's the ultimate dad joke, and I apologize for ever making it on Twitter, but I did. <laughs> numbers for this week aew dynamite 977,000.37 in the demo 486,000 total nxt 610,000.12 smackdown last week friday 2.23 million 18 to 49.60 that's 788,000 in the demo rampage from last week 600 even 18 to 49.25, 328,000, a little bit over 50%. And then Raw on Monday night, 1.8 million viewers, 18 to 49.54. So holding up pretty good. Well, 
in the midst of playoff basketball, the Masters, all those other things. Anything stand out there to you at all, Chris? Uh, you know, just the, I guess, Rampage and NXT are basically analogs for one another at this point, which is well, maybe not a great sign for Rampage, considering what they put on Rampage. Well, here, here's where you will get the pushback. Because I believe AEW was third overall in quote-unquote sports for the week. If you classify it as sports in cable, they double up NXT in the demo. Rampage does. Or not, I'm sorry, Ramp, I was taking Dynamite. Sorry about the, uh, about the third on cable. Rampage gets 600,000 viewers, but they double up in the, in the prestigious 18 to 49 youth vote. So it's still more of a youth-oriented show. And apparently they did a lot better on um, Rampage with women due to uh, Mox and Yuta being the draw, I guess. That's yeah, but but I, I just think people really undervalue these 50 and ups who care about the future of wrestling in the World <laughs> Wrestling Entertainment Company, well, Jeff. Okay, hold on. In, 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 in defense <laughs> of the old, which I... They buy stuff too. They have more money than the young people, to be honest with you. They have more disposable income. I know that it used to be that you'd say 18 to 32 had all the, had all the income, but as a matter of fact, it's the people who save their money who probably have all the income, especially in this day and age. I don't know. Well, I, you know, hard to save money when you never get a chance to make it between 18 to 32. But yeah. Make better decisions. Uh, no. oh, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, Jeff. Look, I didn't make money for a while either. So, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't know, man. It's just, it's just Rampage. I, I, I really liked Rampage tonight, for example. But is it just a show to put on or does it actually grow the audience for the main show? Or is it, or is it AEW Thunder? I'm still wondering these things in my head, Chris. Yeah, I, I don't know. And this title match left me kind of thinking about that same question, right? Like, was that a title match that's like a A-level title match, or was that more of a B-level title match? I enjoyed it. it um, yeah, it was enjoyable, but like, felt a little rushed. Yeah, the yeah, all the all, yeah, right, all the extremey parts felt like they they were gotten to very very quickly. Um, the commercial break I think hurt continuity, and that's not the level of a title match that you'd expect them to even run on dynamite, let alone on a pay-per-view level. And, and I think that sort of thing signals to an audience that this is just not an essential show. Interesting. We use that to parlay into the lazy river of wrestling criticism. Anything we've watched from any decade, any sort of any territory, any country, what have you, We'll talk about it here, but we'll also talk about what we liked, what we didn't like on the stateside shows. Chris, I'm going to, I will start this week and I will ask the question on week two now of the Cody Rhodes experiment. Are they getting it right? And I will posit that they are in many, many ways. What say you? I think he is the best option they've got right now for a main event program and i i think that it's working i, I mean is it fantastic no but is no it working? Uh, yeah and then i'm also stopping myself a little bit there because i do sort of get this vibe that the crowd's cooling on him a little 
So I I guess I want to see more data, but I I, I thought week two, there was like a couple of lines in some of those promos uh, or the the promo that he did this week where the crowd didn't really get on it the way he needed them to. Yeah, it's not as hot as a post-mania raw crowd. And so the cooling, I think, is going to be natural. I've, I've, I've said it, and I know other people have said, so this is not a new point, but it feels very much like Cody Rhodes is doing Earth 3 Chris Jericho in AEW, whereas Jericho is the sports entertainer in the wrestling company. Cody Rhodes is acting like the wrestler in the sports entertainment company. I think his promos are still pretty solid. I think uh, I'm going to want to see tougher Cody Rhodes, ass kicker Cody Rhodes, don't get me wrong, quality suit, Cody Rhodes, playing kind of a semi Ric Flair type of thing. I dig it. Don't get me wrong. Um, Maybe that's the issue for me. Is so we've seen decent promo work, but the blocking is the thing that I'm going to be thinking about. Like, how do they actually use this guy in matches? How, yes. how do they tell stories with him? Or do they fall into the same WWE tropes with Cody? And I mean, my money's always on that. If I had to place bets as a betting man, I would say Cody will not take the big belt from Roman. I still think this is a land of giants. I still think they're waiting for the next big thing. Not Brock Lesnar, but just who's the guy we can, who's the guy we can use this to, to propel. I do think Cody probably gets the second belt though whatever that may be, whatever they choose it to be backstage. Usually it would be the one on SmackDown, but given that SmackDown has a bigger audience and is on network television, that focus may change sooner than later. And I I don't, I don't know about that, but uh, for right now, I think they haven't blown it yet. Let's, let's be on, let's be perfectly clear. He didn't come out and like say suffer and succotash or something like that. Oh no, it hasn't. No, nothing's been blown. And I I mean, in in a way every week where that doesn't happen, where you can say that sort of strongly uh, is a good week for them. Yeah. Your turn. Um, my turn. Uh, I, even though it was kind of thrown together and you could feel that I enjoyed the CM Punk and Penta Oscuro match. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 um, I like that Penta didn't fall into a lot of the same Penta spots and a lot of the same Penta patterns that like the match with Punk forced him to have a more straight ahead match. I, I, I found that refreshing. It was a good reminder that Penta can do things other than his WWE version of self. Okay, I need to go back and rewatch it. Because on Wednesday night, after just my hot take, was I didn't didn't enjoy it. I didn't think they gelled. I didn't think they had much chemistry together. But I might be wrong on that. No, so, I I mean, you might be right on that. I might need to rewatch on that front. I think I like the fact that Penta didn't, because they maybe didn't have chemistry, Penta had to actually do something different for a change. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each 
one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network what's going on guys this is rich from the flagship podcast here on the voice of wrestling podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell, all three in one, offering you triple security. So you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door. But it's not just for security. Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking again 0.3 seconds it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock and with the ai self-learning chip embedded the more you use it the more accurate it will be also no battery anxiety you have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out uh, passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2k clear sight see who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. 
you have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They're on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by the professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or, wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the Eufy video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. One second. Door is unlocked. Much, much easier. So if you want to jump on board with Eufy Video Lock, search Eufy Video Lock. That is E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Again, that's Eufy Video Lock, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Okay. We've, we've been getting a lot of the same Penta. You know yes, what I'm talking about. We've been getting... Sports entertainment, Penta. Right, and I just thought that this, it, I mean, even even if there was a bit of struggle, I thought that the struggle was more interesting and compelling than the standard Penta match has been in a while. Okay, cool. Uh, I am going to make a declaration right now. Um, there is no way, and I haven't been following the spoilers for Battle of the Belts, but there's no way we can belt Marina Shafir beating Jade Cargill, right, after that debut on Wednesday. Yeah, I, I I mean, look, uh, I think my takes on Cargill are pretty clear, but like, you know, you don't jump off a sinking ship to hop on a sinking ship. I so, like I like Marina Shafir. I think she's shown some things in the dark, dark elevation universe that made me happy. But whoever gave production notes to her on this, I just think they they... They set themselves up for failure. And let me, let me explain what I mean. When she was part of, as, as you so deftly put it, fight and play in NXT, she had personality. She had something, compa- even, even compared to like Jessamine Duke. She had, she had something. Oh, yeah. She definitely with. was the compelling one compared she was the compelling to Jessamine. One there. Yeah. She comes out Wednesday. And I think the notes were look stoic or look angry. But she came out there and she looked bored to me. She came out there in a hoodie. She just kind of looked. She rubbed her hands like she was nervous, which was a telltale sign. She walked down, and I think they had given her the notes to be Dean Malenko, to be the ice woman, so to speak, while she was doing this wrestling match. And it did not come off at all to me. You had the baddie section over there heckling her, which now included Kira Hogan and Red Velvet. Take your victory lap on that one, Chris. Red Velvet's now officially a heel, I think. But at the end of the night, I mean, Sky Blue was not the opponent to do it with. I think Sky Blue actually got a little bit too much offense, to be honest with you here. I would have also taken a mid a mid-card heel and destroyed her, as opposed to a mid-card baby face to destroy here. If we're, if we're building up Marina Shafir as the problem and possibly the baby face to beat the heel, the still very heel despite some of the face presentation, Jade Cargill, I think Marina Shafir needed to do that. 
That was a huge mistake. I, I mean, really, like the way they've been building up Shafir, just the size discrepancy between Shafir and Cargill. Shafir being the new person, Cargill on a winning streak. Shafir comes off as the underdog, clearly. So, like, it would have made a lot more sense and, frankly, would have been more impactful for her to bump off a mid-card heel, as you said, above, like, the stature of the bunny not quite at Serena Deeb's Layla level. Layla Hirsch? Layla Hirsch would be a good one. Yeah, L- L- yeah. actually, Hirsch wouldn't be a bad one where, where Hirsch comes in, thinks that she's got going to have Shafir's number, maybe murder even tries... Death. And just yeah. do murder death. And just, just gets obliterated, yeah. Yes. And then, that's how you do a debut. And then it's like, oh, oh, crap. There Now there's doubt in my head. But now we have the baddie section. I think now they have to follow through on the on the celebration with the green Lamborghinis and dancers and stuff. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't belt Marina Shafir right now. I'm thinking what they have to do now, if there were any plans to do this, is use Marina Shafir to debut whoever is going to take the belt off of Jade Cargo and ruins the celebration. So here, here, here's the move I would do. Uh, I think I would actually have Serena Deeb be this person who gets the belt off of Jade Cargill. Get it on to someone who can like regularly work and like work longer for matches. And now that you have this Shafir, whatever, what have you, uh, thing going on here, the misbooking and the miscasting here, I, it's going to result in Cargill being perceived as the good guy. Do you uh, do it as a, do you do it as a uh, as a Jade turn though? that deep comes in and is so vicious and just does so many bad things that Jade Cargill has to turn babyface. Cause the problem here is that Serena Deeb's in a, in a feud already with one of your hottest baby faces in the women's division. And, and Cargill now has the batty section. So like, as I'm saying this out loud, I'm second guessing myself. They've really written themselves into a corner here because Cargill has the schmarmy male attorney worm the baddie section has all of the trappings of a heel. And yet every so often AEW likes to kind of like baby her in certain contexts and Shafir. Look, she's a mother. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. And Shafir is like a lousy baby face here. And this is a lousy baby face presentation. Yes. And this match is being billed as a really important match for Cargill, mm-hmm. um, which uh, that's great. If you've got a baby face who you'd really love to see spoil the party for Jade Cargill, but Jade Cargill's not someone who's been so petulant and so awful and so cheating that you don't want to see her have her all-important 30th victory. Yeah, And there also isn't someone who you'd want to see defeat her who you think is deserving. Allow me to address the people who are now screaming at the podcast that it's obvious what they're going to do. And yeah, I'm, I'm aware of it. Kira Hogan and, and Red Velvet are going to probably screw Marina Shafir out of this out of this match. Correct? Yeah, that, that, that's very likely. And then we get a black excellence stable like that. And people will love it, I think. I, I do. I mean, I, I, people wanted to watch. Uh, uh, well, I, I think it's a good idea, too, quite frankly, given, given some of the press of late from AEW. I think it's a very, very... Uh, so then, I so then I guess Jay just drops Smart Mark Sterling, and then I, I guess Cargill or uh, Cargill, Velvet, and Hogan aren't heels, but are in fact baby faces. No, 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 of- no. They're all heels. This, this is a heel stable, and Sterling sticks with them. Okay, so it's a it's a heel Black Excellence stable. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. As as we like well, to. As we no, like well, to call- I. I- 
I'm just gonna say, like, will will the crowd go along with that? Like, like I, I don't know that, that the that crowd was, will the what? crowd will the crowd boo that reliably? That's an interesting question, isn't it? That yes, is. right. That's because if you're if you've been pushing for that and this is what you want, you're finally giving it. Uh, and and are now you gonna... it's a heel thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, I had I had uh, I had not thought about that, but man, that is an interesting move, isn't it? To to heal. Kill all of your African-American females, although that's how you would debut in Athena if you're going to do that, too, possibly. Although then people will complain sometimes. Some will complain, not everybody. Some will say, oh, great, we're getting more black women on the screen, and this is great. And then, you know, that that addresses the problems that some people had. But on the other hand, it, it's also very, very Vince in putting all the minorities together in one feud. Yeah, no, yeah. I, 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 I think this may may answer some questions and create new new ones yes yes sometimes when you solve problems you have in turn created new ones it is your turn sir um okay well uh i guess then let me see what else uh, oh i guess we'll go to nxt um nxt is just increasingly a boring show to watch isn't it <laughs> uh solo Zakoa, cameron grimes was interesting because it just seems like the crowd has really soured on Cameron Grimes. Like they just don't love him anymore. Um, and it's not like he was really working heel or anything like that. It's just like people were sort of into Solo Sokoa. They they went given the choice of two baby faces, they softly healed Cameron Grimes. Well, it, it's interesting because Sokoa is making all the illusions that he's an USO, which he is, which is a problem. And, and that you combine that with the issue of what they did with Cameron Grimes when he won the title was it making him a crying, weepy baby face. And I don't think people want that. I think people want him to be more of the to the moon guy. They want him to yeah, the, the doing it for face. his dad thing really yes. completely missed with everyone, didn't it? It just it yeah. had no resonance with the audience. None. And because people got over that quick, quick, quick crying about your baby or about your daddy. Give me giving you the uh, the redneck rich thing. And I think that because that's what connected them in the first place. When you make that emotional swerve right there, a little, a little tough to do, um, I think. And, and <laughs> you know, the WWE does subtle emotional stuff very well, Chris. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Cameron Grimes father story was really playing on all of the heartstrings. <laughs> Broke all of them. Yeah, uh, uh, is it, you want me to? It's your turn. turn. Okay, cool. We, we can go back to NXT with anything you want after that. But uh, let, let's let's address the elephant in the room. Tony Khan telling everybody to set their DVRs for an overrun on AEW Dynamite. So we, oh, something, oh, something big's gonna happen, Chris. Oh, oh, we got Saturday half hour extra because hey, something, something big did happen, buddy. Big is going down. And what we get is we get, look, don't get me wrong. Loved me some Minoru Suzuki, Samoa Joe, smacking the crap out of each other. Hose me on that. Can watch that all day. But, but in the post-match, it was a ring of honor angle with Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, and introducing Satnam Singh. I believe that's how you pronounce the word. X draft pick of the Dallas Mavericks training in the AEW training center or whatever they're calling it now. Seven foot three. 
basically put on put on a vice grip on Joe. And that's how they ended a rather hot AEW Dynamite show, other than the women's match. Other than the women's match, that show was white hot with the tag team title match, which was pretty damn good, I thought. Uh, you know, the punk punk uh, Penta match, which everybody loved. I'm trying to think of the other matches that were on there offhand because I don't have the lineup in front of me. But all the matches were fantastic. And they end with this turd in the punch bowl, Chris. I was baffled that they were like, we need to go over. If anything, they need to slow down what they're doing on Dynamite. They're, they they need to have like the open. They don't need to have a white hot opening match like CM Punk and Penta. The first match, I think, the first match can be something a little more pedestrian every week. They've been they've been doing really really strong opener, you know, getting your seat sort of matches to start the show. Um, yeah, other than the women's match, uh, the oh MJF and MJF and Sean Dean, which was a great angle. I thought that was really well done. That was, I, so that was really fun. That was really fun. That let's that was. Let's talk about that for a bit. Let's talk about okay. the, the greatness of, and I know they 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 mentioned they they probably overdid it a little bit. It would have been nice if they had backed off a bit on on the uh, on mentioning that the security guard had lost his shirt, because let me tell you this reveal of Wardlow just walking up a few steps, removing the mask and the hat when he's probably been standing there for the last 15 minutes, in my opinion, one of the better ones they've done. And Wardlow, God bless him. He has the acting chops. He is pulling off the anger part. He's pulling off the cocky part. And he's, and I thought the way that they got the count out on MJF was clever too, with just, just an insane amount of security guys to the point where he couldn't get back to the ring. Uh, that was clever too. I, I, this was, this is a pure pro wrestling type angle type match. And I loved it. Yeah. I, I think, I think this is great. This, what they're doing with Sean Dean right now um, is Leon Ruff done correctly. This, yeah. this is making this, or yeah, this is making Sean Dean look good it's putting him in an angle with a main event pillar of the company where he is getting a favorable light, but you're not actually taking away any of the heat off of MJF. And like you can have MJF beat Sean Dean, but you also never actually need to have MJF quote unquote, get his heat back from Sean Dean because all of these wins are coming with an asterisk, but he's a baby face. We know he's an underdog and a win's a win. And the crowd likes being able to chuckle at the heel getting played by the rules for a change. Yeah. And, and I think you can eventually, if you want to, you can build Sean Dean up for a TNT title match and beat him. Then I think, I think that's what you do with all these big time wins is look at his record. He's growing, he's growing, he's growing. And then he gets the quote unquote good loss. Or you can have MJF cost him that match. That could be, you know what? That's that's a great idea too. Um, I'll get back to Satnam Singh in a second because I want to talk about uh, Tony Khan on Busted Open Radio uh, on today or yesterday. I can't remember which one, but anyways. Uh, the the six man between the Jericho Appreciation Society and uh, Eddie Kingston and Proud and Powerful. Uh, Hour one match, but boy, that is pure from my childhood. That's the pure end of Jim Crockett one hour show in syndication type of thing where you end with the heels, the horsemen beating down the, the good guys and just, and just, oh, we'll see you next week. Um, I love 
I love the stupid Matt Menard for for 25 or what was it for 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 three for weeks three, three weeks like uh, the yeah, yeah, yeah leader in sports, sports entertainment. entertainment that's just a perfect little cherry on top to this gimmick uh yeah no i i enjoyed that match for what it was it was it was just it was a match for you know it was a tv main event unfortunately it was in hour one but it's still it's a, it's a tv style main event of old and i, and I dug that too yeah um I thought it was a fine match. I, I, I don't I don't love the Jericho match, but I am enjoying seeing 2.0 getting some burn and you know, it's fine. I actually I'm, think the people getting short shrift in all this is proud powerful because I'm not I agree. I'm not impressed with proud powerful in this and, and, and I haven't been in this feud or anything. I haven't been really impressed with them since I would I, I guess that, that that thing they did with the best friends. You remember that match? Yeah. The plunder no, match all over the place? I, I think that them being Eddie Kingston's buddy rather than Eddie Kingston being their buddy yes. has hurt them. You, and you, having you nailed it. Yeah, Jericho, Jericho having promos with Kingston rather than having promos with Santana and Ortiz, who are the ones who legitimately have the beef with Jericho and the more intimate beef has hurt them. Now, Tony Khan did bury, uh, going unnamed, but he did bury somebody in the back who pitched the idea of Satnam Singh getting the lights out, lights on treatment. Said it was somebody who'd, who'd been uh, doing this for about uh, 30 years producing and came up with the idea and he didn't say no. I mean, he, he, he didn't no, say I, no. I mean, that's ridiculous. We only do that with Alistair Black, the House of Black, and occasionally Penta. <laughs> you can't do that too often. And Sabu. And no, actually, it's funny. Somebody, somebody brought up, uh, oh, it was uh, Jim Valley came on our show. Jim Valley from Wrestling Observer was on my show uh, Wednesday that I do. And he goes, there's too many people dressing in black and white on these shows and we need to change up the color schemes a lot. And I don't disagree because between proud powerful, the house of black, uh, Dan Housen, Penta, you know, we have a lot of uh, sting Darby Allen. We have a lot of black and white characters. On so I, I think we should start with sting. Probably oh, it's yeah. it, this guy. No, this no, gimmick, guy I'm, I'm sorry, Jeff. The gimmick's getting a little bit stale. Don't you think? <laughs> He needs to be surfer sting from now on. I know, it's time for something a little bit no, that's fresh. That's the one guy who gets to keep that. Everybody else can change. Uh, but yeah. Uh, I, yeah, the, the, if you got to turn out the lights, you got to get a roar from the crowd when you turn those lights back on. It can't just be, here's our new Indian prospect. He's tall. He's tall. That's, that's such a... No, no I, I mean, what this needed to be, especially given that he's just not a known name like that, is he needed to come in and <laughs> dominate yes. a, like Adam Cole, Adam Page, a number of top-level guys simultaneously. Like you have a six-man tag of you know, MJF, I'm just going to name people, Darby Allen, Adam Cole, Adam Page. And it's it's kind of like not clear who's going to win this match. All of a sudden, this guy shows up, and he just obliterates all six of them. And that's how you end the show. 
Like, like the, the, the show ends with this guy impressively obliterating all of these people. The last man standing being Paige. Paige squares off against this guy, and even Paige goes down, and this guy ends up just standing super tall. Again, all of this has to be done impressively, and this guy was the absolute wrong vehicle for that. <laughs> even better, the cherry on top was, usually, usually commentary goes, who... Oh my God! Who's that? You know, just just feigning ignorance. They're like Tony Shavani. First, I know who that is. It's Veer Mahan. It's Satnam Singh, and everybody's like, "Who the f is Satnam Singh, Tony?" Oh, he's a prospect over the. <laughs> and this becomes the action movie exposition. Oh yes, he's the star prospect over at the AEW training center. He's been training over there with Sanjay Dutt. And I just I started to howl in my seat. I'm like, oh, of course Tony knows who that is. Uh, we, 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 for weeks we've been seeing these Satinum is coming promos. It's it's the exact opposite of the Butcher and Blade <laughs> premiere when, when it's coming. Goes, That's the Butcher and the Blade. And everyone's like, who are these guys right now? I just... <laughs> Oh, Tony Schiavone. Oh, good bless him. Uh, I believe it's your turn. I've, I've taken up enough time. Yeah, okay. I mean, like, let's pivot back to NXT since we've basically done that at this point. Um, sure. Man Giro. <laughs> I just saw all I wanted to say. Man Giro. He had, he had a match against Von Wagner. Von Wagner's, like, nothing. Uh, He's a Japanese guy who wrestles in a jacket, Chris. Yeah, and, and it gets disrespected. I feel really bad for Kushida. Like the 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 way Kushida just gets tossed aside by Wagner backstage. I'm like, damn, dude. Uh, I remember when you were something. Well, this help me, helps me pivot into my next point because it was a point also brought up by one Jim Valley. I want to bring it up here because I think it's interesting to talk about, and also interesting to talk about in the in the prism that we just talked about with Jade Cargill. Igaman Jiro and Kushida are Japanese wrestlers on NXT television. Wheeler Yuta is a wrestler of Japanese heritage on AEW. That in and of itself right now is refreshing, I think. They haven't given him any kind of wacky Asian-themed gimmick in any ways. He is just a wrestler named Wheeler Yuta who happens to be Asian. Yeah, other than the use of Romaji to spell out Yuta, it, like, yeah. <laughs> Touche. Let me sandwich the Cody question with this. Are, on week two of the Yuta reimagination, are they being successful with it right now? <sighs> um, I, I'm going to say Kenny... My favorite Let's philosopher, yeah, might be onto something with this one. I think that this needs to be is about the education of Wheeler Yuta, yeah. and so it may miss on a couple of weeks. And I think even if it does miss, you can write into those misses a little bit, um, and figure out ways to refine him. Like the the story is about educating him, and the beauty of that kind of story is that it does allow for things to not always click from week to week to week. Uh, this was not a clicking week for me, but 
I also wouldn't say the project's doomed or anything like that at this point. Right. Uh, Valley made the same point. He says it's probably going to be a slow. He, I can't remember what Japanese wrestler he said it was, but it's going to be a lot of like, He says this is going to be a slow education. So don't expect him to be a killer in one week. It's going to go over time. And eventually he's going to get there. Now, that being said. Friday, what if he turns into the great Yuta? No, no, no. I made that joke do it. <laughs> we should never do that. Uh, Friday, Wheeler Yuta, far stronger than Wednesday, Wheeler Yuta, with, with that. <laughs> My man needs to get some bass in his voice. Uh, Wheeler Yuta, he's going to talk and be angry and mean and stuff, because otherwise, otherwise, you're just, oh, oh, that's so cute. Wheeler Yuta's being mean. Uh, I kind of liked now that I didn't like it at first, but I liked, I liked him doing the ground wrestling, the mat wrestling. And I liked that he won the match with uh, the old Tim Horner victory roll with the bridge. I thought I, I, as opposed to a move or something. Um, I still think it's somewhat out of place in a combat club, but you know, because he's a little aerial and he's a little flippy do type of guy, but if this is going to be a slow story, it can't be too slow. It can't be Julia Hart pace necessarily. I don't think in terms of giving us story beats. Now you can take as long as you're taking with the Julia Hart thing, but the problem with the Julia Hart thing is they've done no story beats in it other than adding a little grayscale makeup. Like it's sp- like the mist is spreading on her for some reason uh, type of thing. Yeah. I, I mean, the, Infection spreading on Julia Hart's storyline is uh, not not a good template for anything to be running through right now. Anything else from you on the uh, Lazy River? Um, let me see here. Dakota Kai and Mandy Rose was, <laughs> was look. I mean, at least Kai's the right type of person for Rose to be going up against. Dakota Kai needs main roster money now. I'm sorry. She's she's been the best thing, best wrestler in, in the women's division in NXT, with the possible exception of Io Shirai, uh, for the last four years in that division, I think now. And they've not given her a title to hold more than an hour. They've given her three different character changes. They're never gonna bring her up to the main roster, it seems. They always use her as cannon fodder in the Royal Rumble. I want her to be paid. At least that's, that's all I want. Don't get me wrong. I love the Wendy Chu story. I think it's going to be adorable. They're going to be, they're going to eventually win the tag titles because there's nobody else to put them on other than, other than the Brazzers storyline that's going on with the other women's tag team right now. Uh, that is isn't toxic attraction. Oh, and you're not even talking about Nikita Lyons and uh, <laughs> Lash Legends, which is uh, like more of like a TMZ sort of storyline. Yes. I, oh, yeah, that was, that was interesting. Um, yeah. uh, and like, look, uh, pretty deadly as tag champions. They are the right type of tag team for this company. They had a very successful run in NXT UK. And like, this is frankly a success story of a team that you and I have watched grow on NXT UK. Yes, I do remember the show. They've been very and, improved since since and, and they, coming up to the. They roster. improved, yeah. They just they've just steadily improved over the last few years here, uh, and I'm happy for them. I I think they're the perfect foils for the Creed brothers to yes, go up against too. Because everybody wants to see the Creed brothers kill the pretty boys. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's going to be perfect. great. 
Yeah, and I, I think also you could also have a mini feud if you look. If we don't want to go directly to the Creed brothers beating them, we could we could have pretty deadly beat the grizzled young veterans as some sort of British pride type thing or UK pride type thing. I love. Don't get me wrong. I love the grizzled young veterans. I don't. But Zach Gibson can talk himself into being a temporary baby face yes. as quickly as he can talk himself yes. into being a heel. If, it's if like one walk do down the aisle. Yeah. If we wanted to make him baby, and we wanted to baby him into that, are we gonna leave him heels? I mean, I think we're leaving the Creed brothers still as heels, even though people cheer the Diamond Mine somewhat. But uh, yeah, I, I think we can do that. Um, my last note on the Lazy River that I have is Jerry Lawler has come back while Corey is on vacation. Some people might say he hasn't missed a beat. I why not? Why not use Nigel McGinnis? who is doing NXT UK from his home. I believe he's in Florida. Bring him in, bring one of the young guys in there. See what you got. Maybe add him to the McAfee podcast because McAfee has commitments on Fridays occasionally too. And he could just fill in there or he could heal on McAfee occasionally and McAfee can respond to it. But look, if you have underused resources in the WWE right now, to me, Nigel McGuinness is top of that list. Yeah. Um. Look, <laughs> Jerry Lawler. You up there? No, you put me to sleep with Jerry Lawler talk. <laughs> I, I, I. He's so he's Jerry Lawler. Uh, you you can say he hasn't missed a beat. I think another way of saying that is that he hasn't still changed stinks. a lick. He, he still stinks. stinks. Uh, the the. Dad jokes are now like grandpa jokes, yes. as in like, "Hey, grandpa!" No, no, don't do that. No, that like, that's not that's not funny anymore. We don't find we don't find that one so funny. It's gone from dirty old man to creepy old man. <laughs> like that guy Carmelo's not on the show. Yes, you you wince you you wince when like when he says certain jokes. Now it's it's just it's not funny. It's not pleasant to. It's not pleasant. Well, speaking of which, we'll we'll see what happens with Liv Morgan because that tag title match was changed all of a sudden midstream. Become a singles match where she loses to Sasha Banks. They're breaking up this team of Liv and and, uh, and uh, Rhea, aren't they? I I think they're going through with the Edge plan, right? I guess so. Um, I, I mean, that's how see, you explain why she's not on the show that week. Right? The, this is this will be fun to include in WWE 23 as a potential storyline uh, in like a bonus pack. <laughs> what, what do we think of this edge storyline anyways with Damian Priest? Because because don't get me wrong. I think Damian Priest is fantastic. Oh, I but think, this I is such a demotion. No, no. Oh, come on, Jeff. Year no, over not, year. I'm, 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 if I'm, Damian I'm, Priest was a stock, Damian Priest was at like a peak with the bad bunny uh, yes. pairing and yes. now Don't a year wrong. later he's a henchman for edge yes well i mean this edge entire edge thing is derivative because i mean he's, he's copying the entrances of the undertaker he's doing the the mood lighting of bray wyatt and uh and his gimmick is actually like seth rollins messiah gimmick all, it, it's all wrapped damian in priest is like two-face if two-face was a henchman edge is the is the is the serpentor of WWE characters. It's just different bits from different places. And now he's a, now he's a guy. Yeah. Um, that's all I got for my lazy river. If you have anything else, let me know. I, I don't know that I have anything else. I'm good. I'm good to rock here. Cool. So follow me at crap game 13. You follow Chris at DWATG. You can just follow the show at shake them ropes. All one word. We are part of the voices of wrestling 
Podcasting Network, the flagship, Music of the Mat, five-star match game, open the voice gate, any kind of wrestling that you are interested in. We probably have a podcast about that available on all podcast platforms. You can listen to me weekly, uh, my hot takes about Dynamite on the Dynamite Show over on the Fight Game Network, patreon.com slash fightgamemedia, I believe is the link for that. Chris also has a Patreon. It is called Don't Worry About the Government. He's going to tell you about that now. Yeah, patreon.com slash DWATG is where you can go to subscribe to uh, the Don't Worry About the Government Patreon. You can comment and like in, participate in all the comments on there's like a ton but like people are like actually commenting on some of the shows so you can go over there and comment on it and you get the shows early uh you get the video versions of the shows or you can just subscribe on itunes stitcher and spotify and take a listen to the show it's coming out once maybe twice a month right now uh so go ahead and check it out itunes stitcher spotify the name of the show is don't worry about the government and hawkins i've got one thing to say to you veer mahan <laughs>